What's up, all you beautiful people? It's been a while. Um, coming to you today after some time off. When it, what is it? I'm trying to look back at. When was the last time I got one of these out to y'all? Looks like it was September 15th. Wow. So about a month and a half um, since the last BartCast episode. Uh, and I apologize for all y'all that have been waiting on tenterhooks for my next episode. I took a trip last month to Colorado with a good buddy. And, uh, just had a bunch of amazing outdoor adventures, summiting mountains, jumping in rivers, hot springs, mountain biking. Um, I'm definitely hooked on mountain biking. I got a sweet mountain bike and I've just been getting up into those trails, you know, growing up in Marin, the birthplace of mountain biking. I never really got the itch. I had a lot of friends who did, kind of like with surfing too. It was just just another thing that never really caught hold of me. But uh, I can honestly say I do have it now, and I'm addicted, and I love it. And I'm really excited to finally explore all these trails that growing up I've heard so much about. So holler at me if you all want to get on a mountain bike ride. Definitely looking for homies to do that with. Um... But yeah, it's been a while. Um, Today is November 3rd when I'm recording this intro. I did this uh, conversation a week or two ago. And I've just had to do some editing, as you will hear. Um, But my guest today is probably one of the most influential people uh, in my life. And very, very special to me. my adopted hippie grandmother, Marsha Thelen. If her last name sounds familiar, it's because her son Jasper Thelen, Jasper Starfire Thelen, was on episode five of the Bartcast, The End of Rock, and uh, and this is his mother. And she is uh, this matriarch at the top of this web of just some of the most amazing, creative, and unique individuals that I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. And, um, you know, when I was, when I was a young boy, uh, my parents got divorced when I was eight and my mom was looking for really like a new scene, a new, new group, uh, you know, community for our little family of three, me, her, and my brother to be a part of. And, this place, the Red House, uh, which is where Marsha lives, um, at the time was this kind of hippie, uh, open household, you know, not a commune, but lots of commune inspired things like, uh, lots of dinners and every fall we'd have the Harvest Classic, which was like a ping pong tournament slash clothing swap, book and clothing swap with a potluck. And, uh, and it was just such an exciting thing for me and my brother, you know, Marsha's grandson, Spencer was one of our first friends and, uh, he, he was there a lot. So we would go and and hang out and run around this big 
you know, magical play place with all sorts of hidden nooks and crannies and secret zones. And um, Spencer's father, Bruce, was uh, um, was married to Marsha's daughter, Kira Thelen. And uh, and Bruce played in my father's band. He was a super funky bass player. So uh, that was kind of how our family came into contact with the Red House. And, you know, then later when my mom and my dad divorced and separated, um, my mom started coming to all the, the hippie, you know, parties at the, at the Red House. And, you know, Marsha's sons were, I think, in their mid and late 20s and just these really, like, healthy, go-getter, down-to-earth guys that had, uh, you know, this really just cool local culture that they had created in, in this space. And um, like I said, the Harvest Classic was a big annual tradition, um, as was Easter was like this huge, you know, thing for the kids. And my grandmother, grandma, grandmother Marsha would, uh, would make sure that every kid got a basket. And um, we, we kind of get into the story a little bit later, so I won't give too much away. But, uh, but yeah, I've been wanting to do this one for a while and it was great just sitting down. She was really gracious with her time. Um, we did have some audio issues, you know, I'm still learning. This is a learning process. So, um, you know, at certain points there, there is some buzzing. I want to warn you that comes in. One of the microphones was kind of acting up and, uh, took me a second to catch it the first time and then uh i tried my best to to stay on it after that um you know with a lot of this recording stuff like it's good to have headphones on so you can monitor the audio but i also find with certain people that can kind of make it feel like a little too formal and i really try to keep these conversations informal so i didn't have my headphones on when the buzzing started and I've done my best in the editing. That's why it took so long to get this one out. Um, I've done my best to try to mitigate the buzzing and with EQs and filters, bring it down to where it's a little bit more tolerable. I know you're, for you uh, audio purists, you know, I hope it's not too hard to, to get through. And it did just be known that the first chunk is, is you know, a few minutes, um, but then the subsequent ones are much shorter and it does go away. And, uh, you know, the, the mic that I had her on was a little sensitive and hot. And so there were some moments with, you know, maybe rolling papers or other devices that got picked up. So just think of it as a little free SMR, ASMR. And, uh, you know, um, the last thing I'll say is that the coughing that comes out on these tracks is not COVID related. So for those of you that are listening and, and worried about that, it's it's more uh, to do with the fact that I was interviewing my hippie grandmother and there may have been some cannabis uh, that went into the making of this singular podcast. So we, we kept our safe distance and uh, all is well. Um, but yeah. I think that, uh, you know, the next couple of days we're about to dive into a rather unprecedented and, and interesting winter and we'll see what happens with the political system in this country. But I wanted to get this one out in time for all y'all that just want a break from all the political media. Um, here's a little alternative to you. <laughs> 
so this episode, episode 17 on the Bartcast, titled Mrs. Hippie. Um, it's my profound honor and privilege to introduce to you my guest today, Marsha Thelen, a.k.a. Grandmother, on this episode 7 of the Bartcast. Great to hear from you. What a surprise. So, I'm really excited to have you on my show. Uh, thank you. You know, it's yes. I, ask me anything. Yeah, exactly. I'll be asking <laughs> you a lot. I, you know, I'll, I'll probably talk a bit about the in the intro that I'm going to record later about who you are and what you mean to me. But uh, just uh, as a reiteration, you know, the I have this one of my earliest memories of you is like coming in over here to play with Spencer, your grandson, back in the day, and you telling me and my brother that we could call you grandmother, because um, our grandmother lived in L.A., so yeah. you've always been, she was grandma, and you've always been grandmother. Right, I loved it when, when Spencer used to call me when they were, his grandmother, grandmother, der. Grandmother. Grandmother. <laughs> it was so cute. He was like one, something uh, like that. Yeah. I remember, I still hear it in his voice, too. Like, him saying, grandmother. Like, he had this very specific uh, cadence and rhythm to the way that he talked. Wow. And I can still hear it when I hear grandmother. I can still hear it in his voice. So how'd you get so grown up and smart <laughs> and... All this, I'm well, so impressed, my dear. I had some pretty good, uh, I had some pretty good mentors. Hey. You know, your sons yeah, being, yeah. being two of them. Like, um, I, like I told Ace today, I said, old people are people too. <laughs> exactly. You know, he was saying something like, I forget. But, yeah. Old people, you know. They're people too, we're people too, right? yes. And you're still... You know, I think in a lot of ways, on the inside, what I've heard from a lot of old people is like, I'm still the same person I was at, at 20 and at 17. I just got an older body that I'm traveling around in, you know. there's Ain't it the truth, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it goes by so quickly. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, um, um, Planning and hoping for eternal life. There you, you know go. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be fun I would, if you died and all your friends were there? That'd I mean, be great. I'm down on death, but hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> who knows? It's such a secret, isn't it? Right. The great, the greatest secret. There's mm-hmm. a there's a line from a. I don't know if you ever read Tom Robbins' Jitterbug Perfume. No. It's a great book, and it deals with immortality and. Uh. One of the characters, you know, is this bohemian king who who flees his uh, his own death to uh, because he's offended by death. 
Oh yes, very good. Yes. <laughs> and I always thought that was I a great also attitude. Dad. I love that. I'm you offended just, also. Yeah, you found yes. death just <laughs> offending, know, worthy of contempt. I shall remember that, my dear. Exactly. So. Yeah. How old are you now, grandmother? Seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. Yes. Seven's my lucky number. So. Yes, mine, mine too. I mean, double sevens. Wow. Yeah. Um, did you get a cool number? Did someone make you a number? Oh yes, Jasper made me one, and then my friend Wendy and her daughter made me one. Awesome. And they made me a seventy-six because I forgot a year. When did you? So, for those of you that don't know, Marsha, my grandmother, started. I think you started the tradition of the numbers, right? Yeah. When and Kira was 11. When Kira, your oldest was daughter, 11. was 11. Now, now she's, my daughter is 56. 56, wow. And so I, I quit giving numbers to, like, the grown-ups, and I just try and remember the kids. Will you explain really quickly what the what that all is about? Oh, that's just, um, I just save old scraps of stuff I see and put it in a big book and then so I get a um, nice cardboard, not cardboard, but a nice sturdy piece of paper, draw their number, make sure the envelope you choose first, mm. collection, so it fits, mm -hmm. you know. Good point to start from. And then uh, make the, however old they are and send it to them with, like I just sent out a 10 okay. with a $10 bill. So nice. that's easy. Hey. Easy gift. You know. <laughs> and I enjoy doing it. It's my, my art outlet. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I certainly got quite a few from you growing up. Did I, you? One of the ones that really stuck out for me was uh, when I turned 12. It was my golden birthday. Oh, right. 12 on the 12th. 12 yeah, on the 12th. Right. And uh, Jasper right. made me this amazing number that was like uh, four 12s. Like, like, a, like if you think about a clock, it's like there was one at 12 o'clock, one at 3 o'clock. One at six and one at nine, oh, so it was like so cute. these four cutout twelves with like you know around the edges. He wrote some. He is so artistic, isn't he? He's the I mean, most. That's why he's an art teacher, right? He's one of the most creative, you know, just purely creative spirits. Mm, yes, I've ever encountered. And yes, certainly had a huge in influence on the way that my mind formed. Just yeah, lots of people. I'm recognized when I go around Marin. You know, oh, you're Tira's mom. Oh, I think you're Ace's mom. Or you must be Jasper's mom. Right. You know, they're they are my glory. Yeah, your brood. You know, my, they're my glory. They did carry sure. the carry the legacy so, on in you a know, pretty powerful way. Um, how can I really get depressed? You know, <laughs> right? If they're doing well, you're doing well. If the kids are doing well. Hey. Hallelujah and thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because the secret. Is true that every moment of life is a miracle. I mean, who could have imagined all this? You celestial being, Gaia. Mm -hmm. You know, Ace is doing poetry to Gaia and stuff. Awesome. Yeah, and he writes letters to the editors and puts out a local um, broadcast online, or you know, on, not out loud. I, don't think. I know he's uh, been writing these. Uh these different um, pieces just on yes. the state of things. And That's what I'm talking about. Long pieces. You yes. know, uh, the, the your tradition of, of the numbers, I wanted to tell you, me and Tony, a couple years ago, we started a tradition in, in homage to what 
to what I, you were doing. I always hope that'll happen. <laughs> you know, passes yeah. up, passing on. So kids, kids, kids get a thrill out of it. It's been so great. We started doing for all of our friends. We do these birthday scrolls. Oh. So oh. when a friend has a birthday, if we're invited to the party, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I write a, a sonnet, like a Shakespearean oh, sonnet, yeah. a la Jasper's education. Uh, you know, he taught me how to write the sonnets, uh, and um, and then Tony got into calligraphy, ooh, yeah. and so he has gotten. He does like the illuminated lettering, and he he writes it in this beautiful script, and wow. then at the party at some time we present the birthday boy or girl with their scroll Whoa. and then I read it to them in a fake accent and it's just a funny That's thing. That's so exactly. yeah, yeah, we've done them also at weddings and uh-huh. we did we gave Jasper one on, on his fiftieth birthday and we read it up oh. on stage and it was kind of this full yeah. circle cool moment. So you yeah. know it's so an extension of the we numbers. Saw each other last. Probably, yeah. Yeah. That was what uh he was fifty two. So it's two years ago, it sounds about right. Maybe fifty two. Yeah. December. That was a fun night. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, if you're ready, I would love to dive into some uh, Mrs. Hippie story time, if, if you don't... Yeah. Mrs. Hippie. I, uh, I, I can spell it like this. M-R-S dot H-I-P-P-I-E. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Hippie. But it sounds like... Mississippi. I love it. Doesn't it? Do you get it? I get it. I got yeah. it when you told me, and or when Jasper told me, and I was like, that's the most Marsha thing. <laughs> I felt like it had your essence like written all over it. Mississippi, yes. Um, so, um, But I just wanted to talk, I, if, if it's okay with you, I thought maybe we could start just, uh, you know, I'm talking about just like very briefly your early life where you grew up. And uh, my hometown of Marysville, Marysville, California. Okay. Yeah, I love that town. It's where the um, Yuba and the Feather River meet, mm. and there is a little hospital right there where the um, the Yuba and the Feather come together. The confluence. Yes, and uh, right by there is um, the oldest. Taoist um, temple in, in America. Wow. Yeah, very old. And there used to be a fabulous Chinatown in uh, Marysville. Really? In the 60s, they tore down the old Chinatown. Oh. Which used to, Miss Chinatown used to go there. And there were, uh, it was the biggest little Chinatown outside of San Francisco and the oldest Taoist temple. But they tore all that down and put a um, Mervyn's <laughs> department store. <laughs> and those are some of the old buildings up there that my... Oh, wow. Yeah, um, those are old buildings in, of Marysville. Like when I was there, near the old Chinatown. Yeah. No. Everything historic is gone now. Marysville... It, if you're driving to Quincy, you have to drive through there, right? No. Marysville's flat in the big valley. But is it... I'm, I'm curious, like... It's seven miles from the foothills. Okay. In the flat, you know... Northern tip part of the Central Valley? No. Oh, yes. 50 miles north of Sacramento. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. 
Davis being the most famous veterinarian. Keely goes to Davis. Oh, she's there now. Well, no, she's doing on, online. She's working gotcha. at a farm. She's still up in Oregon? No, she's in, living in the basement with... Uh, the Will. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. She's a farmer at heart. Great. And she works on a farm now for credit. Awesome. Yeah. In Here in Marin or... Yes. Awesome. Somewhere in Marin. I can't... Up by the um, Ignacio somewhere. Okay. I haven't, I, I haven't been there. So when did you did you move from Marysville to San Francisco directly, or was there some stops along yeah, the way? Yeah, stops along the way. Got married in New York City. How did you meet Ron? Oh gosh, um, I was thirteen and a freshman in high school. Okay. And he was eighteen, and he was a senior. At, he had. As a senior, his family had moved to Yuba City, okay. which is the twin cities of, of Marysville, gotcha. on the other side of the river. And um, everybody, well, I was a freshman, and he they were a senior, but everybody thought that he and Jay were twins. That's his brother? Yeah. Okay. Jay. And, uh, of course, everybody says Thalen, but it's Thelen, mm -hmm. like my mother Helen. I know it's always irked me when I hear people pronounce it that way. Cause I yeah, 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 but I mean, it looks <laughs> written that way. Some people would pronounce it, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so we had a gang. I, I They had the, a senior gang called the Judos. It just meant that they went over to um, Ron and Jay's house, which was separate from the main house, and they played... Um, um, cards, you know, um, back with the bad queen, I don't know. Okay. I, I forget about Some that. card, was the card game named Judo or something? No, they were the Judos, yes. And so we, as a freshman gang, uh, in order to be equals to the seniors and everything, we made ourselves the angelettes. Ah. And uh, <laughs> there were 12 of us and... On Friday nights, we would ride. That just meant no, we didn't have any dates, so we just walked to the movies or something mm. like that. Yeah. What year was this? Do you remember? Uh, 57, 58. Okay. Yeah. I was a class of 60. Gotcha. Yeah. And I feel like, um, what's that, guys, Forrest Gump? Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been like that in my life. I've always been in these really interesting and and uh, forward feeling divine, uh, or you know something. I used to think when I was like seven, and I heard about Jesus and everything, really thought about it, and I thought, well, why wouldn't he come again? I mean. It's 2,000 years ago. You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> About time. And they say, yeah, he's coming back. I thought to myself, well, it'll be time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I experienced Father, you know, who just said, look, I would have sent my son again, but ooh-wee, are we in trouble? I had to come myself. Right. <laughs> you know, as, with a long white beard and everything. It's uh -huh. like, you know, who's going to prove... And so um, he revealed that every moment is a miracle, basically. I mean, there's a big 
Shiva Kalpa one sheet paper that we call the documents, but mainly that's his whole thing in a nutshell. Is we live inside of a miracle. I mean, it's so fabulous. And it's going to get better, even though things look like they're not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. we're at a cusp of ages. Right. From darkness to light. But, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. If it happened overnight, everybody started waking up to their divinity. Everybody just lay around like me and not do their job. <laughs> Something like that. You know? I feel like that. I feel like that a lot <laughs> lately. <laughs> but actually, I'm doing my job sitting around. Right. You know, hey, this is a this is a universe that needs to be witnessed. It's a full time yes. job to witness. Yeah, you know the and cosmic machinations. To realize our divinity, you know, I and mean, we so we have to remind each other. Hey, that's what Bom Shankar Bolinat means. Right. I, I'm reminding you. You remind me. Hey, we're divine. Anything is possible. Yeah. Dun, da da da. <laughs> Yeah, I see the divinity in you. You see the divinity in me. And I see you. I mean, I'm so impressed. Good God. <laughs> to see the kids grow up. That's a joy of uh, being old. Hey, being old is great as long as it doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a nice time of life. You, you're slowed down. You know what I mean? Right. I never was a hiker. <laughs> so you met Ron when, when you were a freshman. He was... 18 and he was a senior and his brother Jay everybody thought they were twins because they had moved from um, San Luis Obispo to Yuba City Marysville so they were new there in their senior year and they were ahead yeah just yeah, the, adorable the... boys blondes you know mm -hmm. it's like, and then they formed with 10 other guys the judos and they have remained friends you know, until Ron's death mm. in 1996. Right. Yeah. And so, when you first met him, can you take me to that moment? What was your first impression of this guy? So cute. <laughs> so adorable. We were at a, um, a Marysville Coca-Cola plant building, an empty building, and Chuck Berry was there. I guess it was right before school opened. In person, he was there. Yeah, Chuck Berry was there. Wow. And we were dancing, uh, or he had asked me to dance. Was it like it was a show or a dance or something? Playing at it the. It was, um, yeah, it was a dance because back in those days, if if the star was there, it was a dance. It right. wasn't like sit down. Uh huh. You know, I mean, I don't know how people can go to concerts and sit down. <laughs> I mean, he used to during the hay period few years the hate was exploding mm -hmm. um, nobody sat down everybody danced except the band I mean the neighbor dancing yeah, yeah. so you guys are at this so dance so that happened in Marysville yeah before um, we went to um, New York hitchhiked from Los Angeles drove a Cadillac convertible for used to be able to drive cars and then drop them off at their destination hmm. and get paid for it. Oh, like as a courier kind of yeah. thing? Okay. Yeah. So you guys were doing that for yeah. work? Or? And we got married in New York City and 
that was a lot of fun. How many, when was that? What year was that? 63. Okay. So you guys, I'm guessing, started started dating, and then when you yeah. were in high school, you were together. Yeah, and then he went in the Army. Oh, he joined the Army. Yeah. Okay. He um, and spent two years in Formosa, Taiwan. Okay. Was this during Vietnam? No, before. Before. So he volunteered? Yes. Anyway, yeah, we wrote letters for two years, and uh, then he came home. We got married in New York City, and he came home. I met him there. So we were married in 63, yeah. How many years ago is that? 54, I think. 63, that would be 57. Yeah. And you said, was it just a, was it a big ceremony in New York, or did you guys... Unitarian Church. Jay flew out to New York. Okay. And uh, a few New York friends, yes. It was a... Was it at a, you said at a church? Unitarian Street on Lexington Avenue in New York City, Yeah. Had a short honeymoon in a hotel next to United Nations. Okay. It was very exciting and fun. Yeah, um, that was fun. And then we drove back to California where Kira was born, and uh, we, we bought the house together. That was it. We bought this beautiful. Where was the house? The corner of Clayton and Parnassus. Gotcha. In the hate. Mm hmm. And then the boys opened a shop there. This is the famous psychedelic shop. Yeah, yeah. The first psychedelic shop in San Francisco, correct? Yes, and uh, right across the street was this pre-existing store called Nasidica. Hmm. M-N-A... Nasidica. And and another... um, Oh... Yeah, so there were like two shops, and we were across the street from Woolworths. It was actually there. Mm. And um, Ron's dad, Wally, said, um, oh, you, there's just no foot traffic anymore through the hay dash. <laughs> you know, it's like, who's going to come, you know, to a psychedelic? What, what year was this that they opened the shop? 64. Okay, and what was the scene like in the Haight at that time? There were two shops across the street on Haight Street, and there was a Woolworths. And uh, the two shops um, were Nasidica, and I can't think of the other one. But uh, So there was a little kind of... Because I, t- I thought the Psychedelic Shop was a really stupid name. <laughs> I wanted them to name it the Egg. The Egg. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and so then what? The explosion of consciousness. Yeah. What was so remarkable was that it wasn't just happening to me. It was happening to everybody. Mm. It was an explosion of consciousness, you know, like people were... 
people were dressing up and we sold records and books and then uh, it only lasted the psychedelic shop like three years what what was I'm curious like the when Ron made that decision to open this shop like where did that come from because in 64 that was still like a pretty kind of niche thing right yeah like what was this what was your guys' scene like that you know, were you guys already like these psychedelic people that were experimenting just and experimenting? You know, a lot of peer pressure. Yeah. For me. Okay. You know, hey, you gotta take this. Hey, you gotta take. That. Yeah, you was know, that scary? Free at love. You know, it's just all yeah, yeah. It was hmm. all this stuff. <laughs> so I, since Kira was born and starting to have these unknown what to call them panic attacks, hmm. I wanted to, I thought, I started sleeping in the backyard on a really busy corner because oh, wow. I felt I, I had to be in nature. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um... This was in back of the house you, were li- you guys yes, were living in? Yes, on Clayton and Parnassus. Big seven-bedroom. And what year did Kira, was Kira born? 64. So right when it, the shop opened then? It's kind of happened within Actually, the same period of time? Or? It seems the shop must have opened in 66. Gotcha. I think I was off off there. Yeah, Cause she was like two. When when it was really in full blossom, when they had halfway through like the two and a half year period, or mm-hmm. you know the, the shortness of the existence, um, they had put in a meditation room. Okay. You know, and put lush carpets in there and pillows and. Um, and well, what, what was no, it, what was initially at a psychedelic shop, you know, circa 66, what are you guys peddling? What are you selling other than yeah, some music? records and books. That was it? Oh, and uh, beaded necklaces. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of beaded necklaces. Nice. And so they made the meditation room midway through, and then that just turned into a... Just a nightmare. Yeah. You know, people throwing up in there, mm. just wanting to stay there. Oh, Were people, yeah. would they go there to take drugs, take acid? Or? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, it was a, it was walled off with curtains, the meditation. Hey, quote, unquote, I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then, um, after that, Jay and his friends were arrested on the four corners, Arizona, New Mexico, um, there's four, there's... Utah and Colorado? Yeah, I think so, yeah, there's where four states meet, Mm -hmm. the four corners, and he had to go to jail. Oh, wow. But he found his religion in jail. (laughs) What was he arrested for, if I may ask? Oh, they had, uh, he and his three friends had uh, some leftover um, sacrament, Okay. Marijuana. Yeah. In the just a little bit in their in their truck. Mm. They were just going down to Mexico for fun. They they were like really innocents. Yeah. But then he found uh in the Vacaville jail his religion of satsang. Satsang? Yeah, but it's a secret unless you're initiated. Ah. <laughs> It's the yoga of sound vibration. Okay. 
but you can't tell anybody unless you know what's really happening unless you're initiated. Gotcha. So he gets up every morning. He's he's eighty. He's eighty this year, and this has been going on for like fifty-five years. He um, gets up every morning and meditates for two hours, bar nothing. Wow! I mean, he is devoted. Yeah, he's such a good guy. Mm. You guys are still in touch. Oh yeah. Until this summer, we've been getting together annually on his birthday, but the COVID. Right. Nine. Where does he live these days? Um, Nevada City. Oh, I love that town. Outside of Nevada City, isn't that something? Such a beautiful town. Yeah. I've been I've been going. uh, My friend has a cabin on the Yuba, and so we were doing this little mini music festival every summer. That was just like. You know, a bunch of us naked hippies in the river all day, and then oh, in the evening yeah. just playing music and dancing and camping hey. and making hey. good food. And it's our job. Yeah. To have fun. Yeah. But so th- was this psychedelic shop like a hit right away, or I th- it was a little before the culture, the big cultural moment of the hate street, right? Yes. It was an explosion. Mm-hmm. Because um, at the same time, Bill Graham was having the um was Avalon Ballroom and the other one before that, the Fillmore. Mm-hmm. You know, these were becoming extremely, you know, popular. Everybody danced. Yeah. At the Grateful Dead and Jefferson Airplane, mm-hmm. Big Brothers. You didn't go and sit there. You danced your head off. What what made you guys decide to move to San Francisco? I forgot to ask you that. To San Francisco? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like what? Where? How did that? How was that decision made? You know, you guys are. We landed there and we got a small apartment, and then Jay and and their friend Barney, and Ron, separately we were paying like four hundred and fifty or five hundred dollars a month, so we had some land, up in Tahoe that had been um, sectioned off, you know, for lots, mm-hmm. and so. We we um, do we borrow on that? Let me see. Like, let me forget. Anyway, um, you guys just liked SF. You decided that you wanted to live in San Francisco in the city. Or? Yeah. Okay. You know yeah. So we all had separate places, and we put together and bought a house for forty thousand dollars. Oh wow! <laughs> it later sold for two million. Oh my God! We sold it for forty thousand dollars. Oh, you did. <laughs> We've never been famous for um, with money. All right. You know the free store, the uh, this and that. You know, hey. That's um, so the so what year in your like when you talk about the explosion happening? What year was that? Okay, that was for sure sixty six. Sixty six. Okay. Sixty seven. Ended in sixty eight. Gotcha. But the Summer of Love was 69, right? 68? 68. Let's see. Hero was three. So or was it 67? Seven. Huh? 67. 67 was the Summer of Love. I think so, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and so, so then Ron took off after the Summer of Love to go with his friend, Arthur Lish to sprinkle cornmeal all around the Pentagon. 
<laughs> what was the, the impetus to do that? Some ancient Indian tradition. Yeah. You know. What What was it like to witness, like, the build-up towards this explosion? Because you guys are right in the middle of things, living right. on the hate. Like, what What was that experience right. like to, to during that those months yeah. leading up to this right this big moment do you remember it was such an explosion of, that's what was so unusual this thing was happening and it actually from what i know now was an actual change in the vibration that the earth moves through i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty far out but yeah. th- that's what i understand to be the truth the actual vibration because it was between ages Hmm. Shiva woke up. It's it's his imagination now. Only he's a good guy. He's not just a destroyer. You right. know what I mean? You got to destroy to create. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's the Aquarian age, hmm. the age of knowledge. It's like the Piscean age. To believe is the verb associated with that sign. The Piscean. We want to know. The Aquarian is to know. The Aquarian Age, same as Shiva Kalpa, mm. the Age of Knowledge. Belief's not quite enough. We want to know. Right. I mean, science is God. Mm-hmm. Without being a fanatic, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like science people against the religious people. I mean, if God's anything, I mean, he's everything, so why wouldn't he be sci- and reveal himself also through science? Right. Of course he would. Yeah, the the uh, I mean the deeper that we delve when you when you think about like the frontiers of science and the philosophy. Atoms. I mean, when yeah. I was born, an atom hadn't been split. Right. In 1943, an atom hadn't been split. Still. And in in the one Holocaust for Japan. There hasn't been any more. Right. That's me. Kind of makes us feel. feel. I feel safe anyway because I I know that that I am a goddess, and Damn he's right. not gonna let me down. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you yeah. know. I mean. Oh, and like I I found out like how they say, oh, God's gonna judge you. You know. And how can he do that? Well, we're all our own judge. Right, exactly. We judge ourselves. Mm-hmm. Did I do good? <laughs> I think so. You know, although I think I'm going to go to hell because uh, I smoke. You know what mm. I mean? Like, but is it is it a hell that is it I a hell that know. you put on yourself or one all that is given to you? All my friends going to heaven. Oh, people I know. Somebody to rescue me. Send, <laughs> send help. <laughs> right. There was a little cosmic lifeline. The uh, do you when you think about this period of time, this explosion, um, are there any like specific moments or anecdotes that you feel are like stories that you think are, you feel like are really good representations of this? You know, because you hear a lot of people who lived through it, and they can talk. It's like almost hard to to specifically talk about what it was, you know? But maybe sometimes yeah. it's easier like to I say, talk about Like I say, the stories. most remarkable thing was this thing was happening to all of us suddenly. Like, yeah. 
were interested in consciousness. I don't think I even heard the word consciousness before uh, Kiro was like three. In what ways did that manifest? Like, if you have an like before what that, I was worshiping the, the American Indians, of which I still do. Okay. But that's what I was into at the time. Mm -hmm. I went to New Mexico and met the Indians and stayed in New Mexico for for oh, oh, the worst winter ever, I think. But it was the first time I ever lived in snow, so what did I know? You know, right. slept in my clothes, kept the fire going. Do you do you have any images that come to mind? Like, I'm trying to get to like so that I can try to picture what it must have been like during this explosion. Like, do you have any stories or pictures or memories that kind Probably. of symbolize? <laughs> I've got trunks across the street that I haven't opened in a while. I don't know what's in it. I think yeah. photographs. Mm -hmm. So, um, we'll see. Yeah, um, Newell, Kirit's sweetheart, we found a box under my bed full of stuff that he sold for $5,000. Wow. Yeah. Just And that was not collection of posters. Like, Jay had a complete double collection of, of posters. And it, it, as far as, like, the music during that time, like, what were the... What was the scene like with Grateful all Grateful Dead. That was the scene, huh? Big Brother and the Holding Company. Jefferson Airplane. I mean, these guys were live every weekend. Mm-hmm. Somewhat, you know, they were double billed sometimes. Outdoor shows. I was there the night that um, Janet Joplin made her career opening with Big Brother and the Hold Company. What it, was that like? It was amazing. Yeah, it was just amazing. But you could still dance. Right. See, everybody hadn't started sitting down. Mm. You know. What? Uh, what? At at this time, were these people like? Your friends were there. Was there already like distance because they were becoming famous, or did you feel like it was more like could you go hang out with, strike up a conversation with you know Bob Weir, or you know was it already like at the point where yeah there was kind of um, some distance? Well, my good friend Danny Rifkin, mm -hmm. um, he was I think one of the road managers, and we met on the bus coming back from San Francisco State, and we became friends because when we bought that house of seven bedrooms on um, the corner of Parnassus and, and uh, Clayton, um, we rented rooms out. And my friend from Yuba City that I had run into from high school, Herbie Green, came and uh, rented a room. And then uh, he was hanging out at the dead house taking famous photos. And... Um, I came home and said to Herbie, who was living, rented a room from us, um, gee, I met this really nice guy on the bus today coming from San Francisco State. And uh, then uh, Herbie was over at the dead house, and Danny said, I met this really nice girl on the bus you know, today. So then Danny came over, and we're, we're best friend friends. Yeah. He's a wandering Jew. Mm -hmm. you, must, you must know yeah, yeah, and Omar. and Omar is, yeah. He's like the prince or the king of the I give him Bolinas. a hug every time I see him out there. Yeah. The, uh, so the, de the dead house was like a another house in the, in the, uh, hey. in 
as well. Yeah. So you guys kind of had these little, like, scenes going House, on. Yeah. And right next door to the dead were friends of mine. Okay. Hyla and Zvi. Did you go hang at the dead house ever? No. Never did, huh? Mm-hmm. Was it kind of like a... Victorian, um... Was it like hard to get in kind of thing? It was kind of exclusive? Uh, it was busy. Okay. It was really busy. There were lots of people that hung out there. Mm-hmm. And I never got invited in. I don't know if Ron did or not. And we are back. I think the buzzing has been fixed for the short term, at least. Um, so there's the, with the dancing and the, uh, da, da, da. yeah, and the, at the ballroom and at the Fillmore, and um, they'd pick up flyers at the psychedelic shop and posters. Okay, you know there was a big stack of posters, and then there was an even bigger stack of, you know, the playbill size. Gotcha. Yeah. So did you did you guys feel like you had like a special status, like running a shop like that? Um. I, maybe I don't know. <laughs> they were they they got you know interviewed a lot. And yeah, well, because it's kind of a brave thing, right? I was thing, so, right? you know always in the in the background because I had Kira to look after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was it I like? Couldn't just you know that? lay back and take dr- drugs, you know, like right. whenever the men wanted, you know. What was it like being a it mother? Was a lot of peer pressure. Mm-hmm. A lot of peer pressure. Lots. Thing. Yeah. I mean, now I'd say, you know, get out of here, leave me alone, yeah. you know what I mean? But it's like, oh no, you gotta do it, you know, you have to, you have to let go, you gotta... With my... I think I had one nice acid trip. That of, was it? Yeah, out of like, maybe seven. Wow. So a lot of anxiety. That was outside, with my brothers and sisters, and we came upon a almond tree in blossom. Mm. I mean, whoa, was that, that was the best. Just kind of got you on. No one takes it anymore, do they? Yeah. Oh, they do? Yeah, it's, it's. It's back? It's back, for sure. Oh, for heaven's sakes. I didn't like the feeling of losing control. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Especially when somebody's like, you know, you're listening to the Book of the Dead, uh, you know, to, as a foundation for the trip. Some spooky stuff. Oh, yeah. The Bardos. Oh, yeah. From the Tibetan. Book of the Dead. You know, why? Who would choose that book for <laughs> first acid trip? You know what I mean? It's right. so serious. Totally. Kind of yeah. Bad enough, just regular. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually recently took a little, like a very micro amount, you know, mm-hmm. less than a, less than a, probably a sixth of a hit or a, less than a tenth of a hit. Me and my friend, and we climbed this mountain in Colorado, and it was just... I never even really felt like I was tripping, but I just felt super happy, and the colors yeah. were brighter, and that was That's about interesting. It. Yeah. That's interesting. And, and so that was really lovely. And um, But people definitely are, you know... The psychedelics are on the uprise. I'll be done. Uptick, you know. Oakland just decriminalized uh, psilocybin and magic mushrooms or no longer criminal in, in the East Bay and they're they're doing uh, studies now on you know legalizing MDMA and legalizing uh, mushrooms for therapeutic use 
I was going to a psychedelic therapy center for a while. Wow. Kept waiting for the treatments, but they never, <laughs> really? I stopped going because it never, oh, yeah? they never delivered the goods. So. Is that right? Yeah, there's a big article in this, on this, um, in the New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker. From, uh, yeah. There's a big article on uh, psychedelic research now. Yeah. It's big here in the Bay and, you know, definitely, I think, you know, it has its roots and in that time, in that era, the, the first explorers. And, right. And I'm, I'm curious, like, what, what was it like, you know, be raising a child through all this chaos? This right, when there weren't, I didn't have so many friends that had children. Right. Were you, you know? kind of the only mother at these, at these scenes, these parties? Or? or upstairs asleep. I mean, it was a four, there was the basement, then the living room, and then the bedrooms and then we were on the fourth floor okay so, so um i could sleep through things but like i say i um i was losing it yeah so i said i have to be in nature you know i think i'll be all right in nature so ron considered that fine so we drove out one day north came to this little town called forest knolls looked good so there was a little real estate office downtown yeah. the, next to the library there was a tiny library okay there and um what part i'm just curious like where in town was that all downtown you know you know where woody lives across from the bar gotcha. other side of the road the big big house there downstairs was a library gotcha yeah and um is that where like Ajax or Pat's spot was? That big blue structure right on Sir Francis Drake? Or are you talking about like where, more like where uh, the little store was? Or? Mm, it's on the other side of Sir Francis Drake, the gotcha. big building. Okay. The, the cream colored building. Yeah, yeah, that one. Okay. Yeah. And had the real estate in the library downstairs. And mm -hmm. So the realtor said, okay, I'll show you the house. And they drove up this road and they were going to drive down the one where it goes down as you turn, make the corner they said, well, I said, you know I don't want to be down from the road you know, we seem to fall in said, oh, I have another one so he showed us this one and we looked, around, we looked at each other after we saw the fireplace we looked at each other and and the dining room had glass doors on it, and the glass doors to You're the, talking about this, the Red House, where we're yeah, right now. Yeah, okay. yeah. So we looked at each other after we saw the fireplace. Well, we didn't even notice it was on a hill, I don't think. <laughs> and um, we said, we'll take it. How much do you want for it? But we said, we'll take it first. Yeah. We could have said anything. Right. Anything. Uh-huh. 24,500. <laughs> Wow. After we said we'll take it. Oh my God. Yeah. That's when, you know, you could afford a house. Right. How were we? We had a few friends. All they did was cash in their life insurance policies. Hmm. Each got a thousand. And so, oh, and then we gave a note when we lived on Clayton Street that of $4,000 as the 10%. We promised them at the end of the summer because it, every year we would be in Kings Beach, Tahoe, renting out, uh, the boys rented out kayaks and uh, surf 
not surfboards, those little ones. You paddled oh, paddle paddleboards. And they worked at the Nevada Lodge, which is on the gambling side of North Lake Tahoe, the mm -hmm. lesser the lesser developed end of Lake Tahoe. Yeah. Kings Beach. Mm-hmm. So that was a, like an income stream for them at the time, renting yes. these things out to people. Yeah, on the beach. And okay. then I, every morning, cleaned the beach for, I think, a dollar an hour. Wow. Not realizing, only recently realized, that at night the bears go around the lakes close to the shore, seeing if anybody's uh, left anything out, you know, like they get... They go down to the shore from their house and they have cocktails and hors d'oeuvres and people <laughs> leave things out. So the bears go around the... I never knew that when I was cleaning the beach <laughs> early, you know? Right. reason I know that is a couple summers ago we were there for a week and we saw on our, our big window that looked out and had a path down to the lake, big bear prints wow. on the window. They had actually He had actually come and stood looking in our cottage at the front porch. Wow. Yeah. So you so you guys came out here and you got this gem of a property. What which was this structure that we're sitting in, this cottage built then or was that a later addition or no it was we figure that he the the old sea captain that used to live here and and uh he built kind of one room at a time. I think he built the kitchen, I mean, the the L-shaped room, and then later added the front room, and then the captain's room. I think he did it slowly. But Jimmy Bowman tells me that uh, for a while, this guy McClatchy lived here with like six kids, and I just can't believe that that's true, because we bought it from, a, you know, the guy um, who was the groundskeeper at the golf course. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Was Star Mountain built yet when you guys moved in? It was terraced around all in glass. Okay. It's beautiful. Gotcha. Open in front and then the ascending stairs, and then it, it uh, wrapped around. Beautiful. Mm. It was beautiful. So you guys just fell in love with the place? and We said, well, take it. Yeah. Hey, how much do you want for it? So it's the only place we looked at. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And we're so stupid, you know. Hey, we'll take it. Yeah. Hey, what do you want for it? So you, so you guys moved out here in was it sixty eight? Six. Sixty. Six. Sixty six. Because the whole deal was it was I told Ron that I had to be in nature. Yeah. Okay. Because I was starting to sleep out in the backyard. At, you know, it was a tiny backyard. Because mm -hmm. I knew not to turn to the psychiatrists. I knew they didn't know more than I did. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I just knew it. Yeah, deep down. Yeah, I mean, I had taken acid. I wasn't smoking grass. I don't think I started smoking so much grass until after Ron died. Sissing was alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. So when you moved out here, was that did that work? Did it change things for yeah. you? Yeah. You were able to relax? Yeah. Started getting better. You know? Mm -hmm. And then, now, you know, it's panic attacks. People know what they are. Yeah, right. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Oh yeah, I'm having panic attacks. Oh, they'll pass. You know. I find that the medicine works for me too. Getting, yeah. You know, when I have anxiety, I get up on a hike or yeah. get out in nature, and that that's me the best too. cure there is. That and exercise. You know. <laughs> yeah. Swimming. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, um, so you guys were actually out here for the summer of love then, in Fort Smith. I, I was. You were. Did, was did Ron keep a place in San Francisco? Keep a place, no. He would just go out there and visit and stay with friends, or mostly he came home. Okay, but a lot of girls tried to, you know, get him because he was so cute. You yeah, know, right, right. So he's always I had to fend off, you know, <laughs> the girls. Excuse. You know, it's, it's like, well, sh it's her idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was the was this place when you moved in? Did you move out with friends as well, or was it just the two of you guys? Uh, a couple of friends. The famous photographer Tom Weir okay. took a lot of photos during that time, but has not ever displayed them really publicly. Okay. I mean, he's like the master photographer. I have pictures in the round. He was always experimenting. Kind of got German ancestor. Okay. Yeah. So you couple friends and um, when did? Because this place at one point the Red House was a commune, right? Right. So when did that come into being? That came to be into being when uh, Jasper was born. Okay. It was a home birth, and like 15 people were here. So. <laughs> you had an audience? <laughs> and luckily, um, Ron was in front of me, and when Jasper was born, he came out turning really fast all at once, mm. and he would have gone into the fire had Ron not been in that uh So it was in the living he room? He zoomed out, yeah. yeah. Starfire. Yeah. So, ja and what year was this that Jasper was born? Um, 68. 68. Okay. And and the famous story... The, the, um, of the star? Yeah. Yeah. You want to tell me that? It was, um, the night before he was born. The day before he was born. That's what was unusual. I saw a falling star out the window by the piano in the living room in, in the, the daytime day. wow. yeah and then this is too much so i can't really tell you this but at the same time december 14th the day ahead in but around the same time here harry witnessed father moving a star i'm sorry yeah. i had to throw that in there all right all good <laughs> so yeah. ja so your son jasper starfire felon was born yeah yeah and, and uh, it was the commune then. Okay. Became the first of like seven children born here. Wow. And, uh, yeah. What is it? What did it mean to you for it to be a commune? Like, what did that mean? Yikes. I, um, we moved up to Star Mountain. Okay. For those who don't know, Star Mountain is on the property. It's just at the top of the property on the hillside. Right. Made out of rock, mostly. But um, 
Yeah. And then when Jasper was little, Ron came down with um, hepatitis A. And we were living at Star Mountain and we had a commode. And so after he got better, I got it a big dose. So that summer, um, 68, I didn't go anywhere. Mm. He didn't go anywhere for a month. And then my brothers, my bro one of my brothers and two of my, and my two sisters and I went to, I rented out the house to this couple who just like had a front for, you know, they just moved in there telling me. Um, but they paid the mortgage every month. Wow. They had a fire in the kitchen, but um, they did their best to repair it. But yeah, we were lucky that so we didn't check in on them or anything. So you just had a separate, the commune was kind of separate from you guys, and it was just going on in the main house? We were gone. Mm -hmm. I was had gone to New Mexico okay. with my two sisters and one of my brothers to seek our fortune. Took a lot of stuff in the, I didn't drive, so Charlene drove my Volkswagen bus, but I, I didn't ever drive it. I, I just, and um, loaded it with stuff for the Indians, tons of fabric and everything we had that was good, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, we moved to New Mexico for that winter of 67. And why New Mexico? Did you have a connection there? Or? I'm not sure. But my brother, the first place we stopped in Albuquerque uh, or to get gas in New Mexico, um, my brother's future wife, Sydney, was at the same gas station. And they later had, um, she had two children then, and they later had seven more together. So she was just pumping gas at the car? No, the, she was getting her car serviced or pumped. For, you, you, there was no self-serve. Right. Okay, so she was in her car, he's in his car. And yeah, they, he's he in just, our car. He just says hi to her? Yeah, she was married. Wow. With two children. She had her husband there next to her? I guess so, because... It happened that we moved into um, in New Mexico, outside of Albuquerque. There's this place called Placidas, mm. and we moved in there. And uh, Seton Village was near there, and we didn't like the place in Placidas, so, so we moved to Seton Village, which was established by the Boy Scouts. It was the first camp they ever had, and the uh, Sydney was living there, so Gary, my brother, just moved in with she and her husband and two kids until yeah. the husband left. Wow, that's crazy! He just moved in with a yeah. family. Yeah, I wonder what the husband thought about all that. I don't know. I think he <laughs> felt pushed out. Right. Yeah, wow. but they've been married forever, and she had two kids then, and then they had seven more. So you were gone for that winter. And they live in Sutter near Marysville. Gotcha. gotcha. He was an Ammon rancher. Okay. Yeah, that's always the classic Marsha pronunciation. I never yeah. heard almonds pronounced as almonds. Yeah, well, the natives around the almond trees call them almonds. Yeah, almonds. Well, how do you say 
salmon. Salmon and salmon. Yeah. So, so you guys made it back from. You came. You came back from New Mexico to this commune house, and you guys. Did you ever feel like you were a part of? Like, was there an intention behind it? Was there like some sort of you know? Different communes had kind of different, almost charters. Or oh, no. It's just a bunch of people wanting to live together. Or? Yeah, we were renting out rooms, so we might as well rent out to our friends. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it became a meeting place in the Hague. The, uh, you know, what's his name? From the East Coast? The turn on, tune in, tune out. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Not Kesey. No. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to blank. Well, we just talked about oh, him Bill earlier. Graham? Huh? Bill Graham? No. No, the East Coast ones. The one that said, tune in. I can see him, but I can't. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he came to visit, and okay. uh, I think um, the poet, Ginsburg, mm-hmm. people like that. They're just They were just coming and staying out here. I guess they'd go to the shop and run and buy them home or gotcha. something like that. That was during when I lived there. So it was more of a scene during these years? Yeah, there? later, later, when the commune was here, yeah. the commune that Peter Coyote had in Olima shut down, was shut down, and they all came here. Gotcha. And so we had the constant problem of the septic tank overrunning. You know, living <laughs> on the side of a hill, yeah. all clay soil, same problem today Right. we're dealing with, yeah. you know? We didn't even notice it was on a hill when we bought it. Right. <laughs> how many people, do you remember how many, around how many people were living here? Jeez, at the peak when Olima shut down, um, probably 50. Wow. With one toilet? <laughs> <laughs> so people say it was one time I, said, I should clean have to clean more than one. <laughs> I remember when I cleaned Jerry Garcia's house uh-huh. when he lived over in um, the Dominican. Um, he had seven toilets to clean. Unbelievable, huh? <laughs> I mean, seven toilets. Two, two outside by the pool, I think. Wow. Everywhere. The toilet. And they would, the dead would come hang here to sometimes too, right? Here? Yeah. They had a place in um, Lagunitas. Gotcha. They did. They had, not not for that long. Where did they, then they moved to San Rafael. Mm-hmm. Well, do you guys have parties out here? Was this? Like I wasn't, pub? no. With Never. them, no. Or Danny. I'm, I'm just saying like, you, yeah. you guys in general, like would Ron throw parties out here or? Oh, yeah, yeah, we did. Okay. Especially bad time was uh, PCP. Mm. It was a horrible thing that swept through. Right. It was kind of one of the, like, oh. kind of four horsemen that, that yeah, pushed yeah, the, the yeah. summer of love into the like, summer of darkness or fall of darkness. horrible thing, yeah. The, so, um, I wanted to talk a little bit. I was told that I should ask you about the diggers. I know you guys the were kind diggers. of affi- affiliated with the that. Free Family. Yeah, what is it? What is that all about? Can you? That was right in the midst of the hate when when everybody was starting to come, shops were opening and the drugstore was uh, 
turned into one. I don't know. Um, the diggers, dear bunch that are still love each other. You know, um, Emmett Grogan, uh, Ron Kent, Nina, Judy Peterberg. The same people still, you know, send Christmas cards and occasionally have reunions. Gotcha. Like when someone dies or something. But um, they were just a um, group having fun, gathering from, you know, different sources and, and just feeding people for free. Based on old, I, there's an old British digger history. Yeah, okay. That uh, it was historically a same sort of, I think that's where the name came from. Gotcha. The diggers. So they were just kind of a, a like a psychedelic offshoot group, kind of, that was, they would feed people and... Yeah, yeah, and they, they remained friends. Okay. There was, a, at that time, there was, um, when the, all the communes were going, there was a... A hand-delivered magazine called um, Cauliflower. The Cauliflower. Or just Cauliflower. And it was like news within the comments. It was it was adorable. I've done that here once or twice. Mm-hmm. Just just write down, you know, make it like a newspaper, and you know, Tealy almost finished with Davis. Um, you know, local things are like, you know, somebody just had their seventh birthday. Or, you know, make a little newspaper for just you and, you know, so much fun. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. It seems like fun was really at the root of a lot of the... Well, that is the purpose yeah. right. with God. It is to have fun. Right. You know, that's why, you know, the kids know so much. You know, they're not all covered up or anything. They're just usually delighted or mad, whatever, but they're not what my heart says or my head says. They're in conflict or anything. They're just so... If they get mad, they cry it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. They don't apprehend so much either. They don't worry. Yeah. Mostly. Did you see, did you find with like the diggers, was, was there kind of a merry prankster kind of vein to it or vibe to it or did you ever get to experience any of that the Mary well Pranks you know stuff? a lot of the diggers were involved in the um the meme troupe the, oh the SF meme troupe gotcha the diggers a lot of them were also like Peter Coyote mm-hmm. and Judy and Peter Berg and Nina and, you know a lot of them were also involved yeah, in, the, in the meme troupe which would just do, they, they were great. They would just appear in the park and they were great. Mm. Just putting on, sh- putting on. Yeah, they'd have on stuff. masks like, you know, from the Middle Ages and and suits and all the paraphernalia and stuff. Yeah. They were from another time, kind of. Right. Yeah. Just bringing that, like, wonder and. Did they ever get involved with the Renaissance Fair? Um, was that going on? No, but I think they they were around the same time. I think the Renaissance Fair was starting up. Okay, is that still happening? I think so. It's it's I think it's down in Hollister now. It used to be. I mean, when I was little, it was at the um, 
up by by off of 37. Nevada. Yeah, and then when me and Tony were in high school, they moved it to Stafford Lake, and we would sell garlands. We were little flower boys selling garlands um, for our landlady, Rosie Ecklemeyer. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I always loved it. I've been wanting to go. It's a little farther south now, but I love that stuff, and I love speaking in fake accents and dressing up. So yeah. I've been trying to find, you know, get get a car full of friends who want to go down and just make a day of it. it sounds so like it still goes on? I think so, yeah. It's, I mean, the Renaissance scene is bigger now than it's ever been. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I think one of the, you know, secondary... Probably not this year. Probably not. I don't think this year. You know, one of the secondary effects of the internet is to allow people to connect around these certain things. So there's a much bigger fantasy. There's this thing called live-action role-playing, LARPing, Mm. which are these people that dress up and they go and they have big sword fights and battles Mm. out in, you know nature somewhere they'll all meet at a park and then they play kind of a game and one time i was in roy's redwoods and i came across a group of them no kidding and they were like having this big sword fight they had armor on oh wow they got a little embarrassed but i was like it's all good you know you do you you know um but yeah the i wanted to ask you I, i meant to ask you this in the beginning but you know I'm part of this generation that I think when I think about the birthright of of the generation that I come from, us millennials, our birthright is this feeling of knowing the people who got to live during this explosion that you described. And we were almost born with this like fundamental melancholy or whimsy at having missed out on this because we get to hear from the elders these stories and so i know like in my own personal coming of age was this feeling like it was always like just out of reach that that energy that seeking that you know to recreate these stories that i was told by my elders and you know it's why we have such a big music festival scene now and so many of us you know i was really into like 60s and 70s music growing up that aesthetic that vibe you know the the, oh, yeah. the afterglow of the hippies, as it were. Um, so I'm just curious. You know, these days the word hippie is used as such an umbrella term, and so many people use it. For, I you know I don't shower. I'm a hippie, or I yeah, eat yeah. healthy. You know, I eat organic food. Right. I'm a hippie, and I, I'm just yeah. I wanted to get you know from the horse's mouth. Like, what is your own definition of what hippieism is all about, or what it means to be a hippie? Gosh. Well, it was coined by Herb Cain. Okay. He had a column, famous column in the Chronicle. And um, I don't know what it means. I mean, but um, to have been there, like, I guess it's best expressed by this incredible explosion of consciousness, mm-hmm. really. That that was happening, not just to me with my panic attacks and adverse adverse effects of LSD. Um, I I was always a mother, so I was home. You know, went to bed earlier. You know, Ron was more of a participant 
you know, on a daily, uh, yeah, on the day, oh, the last day, what was it, Death of Hippie? Mm-hmm. When they gave, he gave away everything in the store. Oh, wow. For free. I didn't know about that. Aside, Jay spent the next few years paying it off. <laughs> What was the what was that moment? What the death of death Hippie? of Hippie? Yeah. They had a coffin run. And there was a parade to the I don't know to the park, I guess. And I was out of town. I was this time in New Mexico, and uh, they paraded a decorated coffin down the street, and uh, it was the death of Hippie. You know, no more hippies or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Was sort of sort of the end. the hi- The hippie thing lasted three years at the most. Right. It was amazingly short. Plus, the gay people were all in, still in the closet. Right. That's what you were saying. Yeah. I don't know when they came out, mm-hmm. but I didn't notice it. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I was in my early 20s, and I had a little baby to look after, right. so it was different for me. I was more down-to-earth, and but I got to a point where, you know, I had to go to nature, and she did heal me, the earth, you know? Yeah. Because when you're doing gardening, it's kind of like you're just closer to God, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you're going to... Yeah. It's like magic. You're going to put a seed or a transplant, you know, in there. And she's going to grow from the earth. It's like another part of the miracle. Everywhere you look, miracle here, miracle there, whole thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because it's interesting to hear you say those things because I I think, like, there's, like, the capital H hippie, which is, like, the movement, like, this official time, like, these three years that you described. But then there's also, like, you know, the way that I, when I think about the word, it's this, it is a philosophy, a way of living with with certain tenets, certain values. And, you know, this is just from my little mind getting to grow up around someone like you or your, your children or, you know, there's this element of, like, like you said, fun being, like, a major element of it. And then the the radical inclusivity that that everybody can participate who wants to right you know right there's and nobody's no, going to be excluded it, right there is no exclusion yeah there's only self exclusion right yes. and you know that acceptance of like oh you might be a weirdo but yeah that doesn't I don't think I'd even heard of Islam right till after the Hate Ashbury I don't know interesting. Because I did study religion in in college, but yeah, I forgot about it. Right, just like that that acceptance of people that look and act different than you're used to, and and then like there's like the free the free love element that that all. Oh uh, yeah, that was painful. <laughs> I mean, there's the sexual sense, but then there's also the yeah like, yeah yeah larger yeah, yeah. you know that that all. Yeah, and the the peer pressure, pressure, the peer pressure to get naked, oh. in at a large gathering. Okay. 
That was, it was that it. peer pressure. See, also. now we're getting yeah. to the good stuff. Yeah, the, the stories yeah. you don't always That's hear, right. the, like the female experience. Of I, I would be sitting under a tree reading a book. I would let Kira run around naked. Uh-huh. But I, uh, that was a dead party at uh, the old house in um, by Nevada. Um, Don McCoy and. Sheila, they had a ranch. Can't remember the name. Mm-hmm. So you guys, when when did the when did the commune come to an end? When did those years? You know, can you think about? Was Ace born we left. in the middle of all that, or no? Okay, we left when uh, I think Kira was seven and. Ace was two, and we got an apartment in the city um, to be with Father's gang of people. He he came over in '69. Who's? Can you describe Father for us? Because I've heard you reference him a couple times. R- right, God in human form. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we recognized him as Shiva. Okay. And um, he came over in '69. Then. In 71, Lou Gottlieb, who was hanging out with Father, he was one of the limelighters, very famous in Sausalito, mm-hmm. at the different clubs. And Was that a limelighters? Was that a band? or It was a trio. A trio? Okay. Yeah. Um, first sent Father a ticket, and Father came alone. And then in 71... Um, I think it was Lou and other people sent for the family to come over. His mother, his son, his two daughters, his wife, his daughter's husband. Where did they come over? And Simon. 71. Father came in 69 to San Francisco. From India. From India, okay. So he's D- in Calcutta. Gotcha. The asshole of the world. Father called <laughs> Calcutta. How did you come into contact with him? Um, my friend Hari had gone to India and was roaming around and meeting lots of gurus. And then... Um, he stumbled upon some friends who had met with Father. They, they wouldn't. There was a spiritual summit conference in Calcutta, and when Father went to go to go there, uh, they wouldn't let him in. He didn't have like spiritual credentials or anything. So, um, Shotzi was there for the temple of um, something other, and. and she saw him standing outside. They wouldn't let Father inside the big spiritual summit conference. <laughs> and she saw his eyes sparkling and started talking to him and uh, was fascinated how bright his eyes were. And so she invited friends to her house that she was staying at in Calcutta. That was the initial meeting. But then he later had... Um, Five, I mean, eight wives. Wow. It was Shiva. (laughs) 
you know, the, the thing that's for Shiva, it's just a phallic symbol. Yeah, the Shiva Linga. Yeah, yeah. So, so these, he had eight wives. Okay, so, you know. Well, you know, like any, any, I <laughs> like guess, any guy like Shiva. Figure, yeah. And what was your first impression when you met the actual guy? Did he live I was up? scared. Yeah. Because I had heard about him from Hari, you know, my friend in India. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I trusted Hari so much that, you know, I was very interested, you know, because we had checked out all kinds of gurus and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? But I, I knew something was going to be different, and it was. He lived up to the hype? Way over. Okay. Way over. How would yeah. how did how would you characterize him like what? A lot of charisma. Okay. <laughs> you know, and fulfilling God's you know the long white beard. Mm-hmm. His command of English was way better than mine. You know, usually the Indians they sing a song in perfectly clear English. Gotcha. And. Um, would he lecture to you guys? Would he teach? He you? would reveal. I mean, okay. he would just start talking. And those of us who kind of recognized him, and there was, this, you know, like 20 of us, it was like he was talking to, to me personally. Hmm. I mean, that's... There's something about the truth that is always a little familiar. Like, I knew that, or you know what I mean? I, that's what I... It's self-evident it. when you hear it. Yeah, and it's usually simple. The truth. It means it means somebody somebody's talking from their heart. Right. When you're revealing your heart, you're telling the truth. Rather than your head. Your I, head will I tell you fully one thing. agree. I think that that's, yeah. that's so right on. Yeah. Did he come to live here at the Red House? Nobody visited a few times. Okay. And he even visited my hometown of Marysville. Wow. When I had a summer cottage there one summer. He was he was fun. Yeah. He would only really rage, like, you know, rage at his own family, never to any of us. Oh, but you saw him lose his cool at times? Never leave his cool, but sometimes he would, like, show us when anger would be sometimes necessary. I mean, if somebody didn't listen for a long time, not, not among us, but mm-hmm. his own family, if somebody... Um, you know, he was tougher on them, you know, checking dust and shit like that, but <laughs> not to us. Only his immediate Indian family. Gotcha. Yeah. And where did they live? Where did they stay? They, they all live in Sebastopol. Gotcha. Is, that, is he related to Shoiva? That's her grandfather. That's her grandfather. Gotcha. Yeah, the beautiful Shoiva who just turned 42, I think. How could that be? So and he does and not that, look at now his son Udit, who who is speechless. I was up there a couple of weekends ago because Ruma is recovering from a broken hip, mm. and Udit, father's son, came in the front door, and I thought it was father. I mean, he had white hair, you know, and his beard and everything. For first time, because he has the same feeling as father now, but he's mute. Wow, interesting. Somebody gave him acid in India, and he broke his head open. And oh, no. hasn't been the same since. Something like that. I'm not clear whether he was like this as a, as a young boy. Gotcha. And 
I'm gonna ask him that. That's not... who. So who wrote the the famous cookbook then? Simon, the Englishman. Okay. And uh, his wife Lopa, Ruma's little sister, father's youngest. Remind me the name of the cookbook. What was it called? Um, what is it? It's called the Family Cookbook, I think. The Family Cookbook. Do you have one? My mother does, and I remember yeah. it was like a life-changing thing for her to, yeah. to get it. It turned hey, her on to this fabulous. new way of cooking. Right. You can take have one chicken and feed 12 people. Right. You know, with adding potatoes. I got a little, you know, my own taste of that when I was traveling, because I traveled the whole west coast of India a few oh, years the west ago. coast. Oh, yeah, I started down in... Uh, with Peter Oppenheimer down in Varkala oh. for the first two weeks with him. And he took me all around. And oh. Took me to the Garukala and I got to meet his guru. And uh, really, really just a great host. And then um, and then I went off on my own and eventually made it all the way to Dharamsala and the Himalayas. And wow. did a Vipassana meditation retreat. And wow. It was a huge huge thing but at one point I was living on this beach with these all these people seven different countries you know <laughs> and there was this young Indian couple and um, I remember I went I was staying at a you know a guest house at another beach and I hiked in with this Indian guy just going for the afternoon you told me yeah and I ended up uh, seeing a friend sitting in this hammock on the beach and he, I had met him on the bus ride a couple of nights before, <clears throat> and he was like, you know, I spent the day on this beautiful beach. It's about the size of a, about the size of a football field, palm trees, tropical, and you can only get there by hiking in or by boat. There's no roads to it. And uh, as I'm leaving, you know, he's laying in the hammock with his lady friend, and he, he's like, hey, man, buy a hammock come join us you should come stay and as I'm, I'm riding on the boat taxi watching the beach recede I'm like you know what maybe I will so the next day I go to the marketplace buy a hammock for three bucks and I come the next night and I plan to stay for, for one night and that day I made all these new friends and no I stayed for for one night and then yeah I ended, and then I was like okay I'm going to stay for three nights and after those three nights, I was brought into this family of all these different people from these different countries. And we would like, you know, every evening we'd make a fire under these bricks and make homemade chapatis. And the, this Indian couple would make just the best curry. And uh, after the third night, I, I packed up all my stuff and I was getting ready to leave to go take a train because I had this idea that I was going to go to Goa. And I started getting so sad. Because I was like, I just made all these friends. I don't want to say goodbye yet. And and then I realized, like, hey, bud, you're the only person that's forcing you to do it, you know? <laughs> like, nobody else is making you leave. And so I was like, okay, everyone. Like, uh, I was all packed up, and I was like, okay, everybody, I'm staying for one <laughs> more night. And everyone's like, yay! And then the next night, I didn't even pack my stuff up, and I ended up staying for 11 days. Wow. And it was like one of the you know most powerful parts of the trip. Um, but yeah, the cooking was a huge, huge element of that. And um, I, I, I'll never forget being at, at one of the parties here at the Red House growing up, and 
you making shark curry. That, I remember that was so good, the shark curry. Right, you have to keep it in lemons for a while, lemon juice. Softens it up or something? Something, okay. something like that, yeah. So you guys left, you moved back to the city when Ace was born, huh? That's what you were saying? No. Okay. Um, we came out here when Kira was three. Yeah. 66. And then Jasper's born in 68 here. Yeah. And then Ace is born in the hospital. Gotcha. Kira wanted me to go to the hospital. She also wanted a girl. <laughs> And what year was Ace born? 74. Six years later. Five, kind of, between Yeah. December and April, yeah. And you guys were still living here when that happened? Yes, we were. We've been here since, well, 54 years. Wow. That's kind of amazing, isn't yeah. it? And it's been good fortune. You know, we've been blessed, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, there's so much that uh, I could say about this place, and I want to get into it when we get to that era, but I, I'm curious about these, like, this era of, like, your sublime motherhood when you had these three kids running around in this natural setting, and was, when, when Ace came around, was it still a commune, or had that already phased out, or? Um... It was pretty much phased out. So it was just your guys' family? It was, it was at its peak with Jasper's birth at home. Gotcha. And then, uh, yeah. And then Ron got into uh, construction work out here. He had a partner, and he loved making stone walls. It was mm -hmm. like putting puzzles together for him. Yeah. You can see the difference around here. Sometimes it's it's the old uh, captain that did it, and sometimes it's Ron that's done it. You know, the the stone walls. Yeah. Now, is, is there a character difference in how they were constructed, or? Yeah, the captain had more smooth cobblestones from probably the 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 river downtown, the creek. Gotcha. I think he got a lot of. Uh, but that one out there, that is an old one, and there's not many co cobblestones in that, in that one. Mm -hmm. So that's... And didn't, uh, Ron was part of the, the group that built the Forsenals Park, right, at the end yeah. of the street? Yeah, they did it. So yeah. he, he, and he, correct me if I'm wrong, but did Ron, Ron was kind of getting more into, like, community building stuff that's at right. this time? That's right, Yep. Working, in the working on the water plans with, you know, the um, Water Commission with Kinsey. Mm -hmm. Worked them out with Kinsey. And they built uh, the neighbor's house, Kinsey and Run. Gotcha. For like $9,000 or something. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. So it's just friends being builders together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and at this time when you guys came out here, like what what was the scene like out here in the in the valley, in San Geronimo Valley? Yeah, well, I guess uh, we were noticed because oh, I think a lot of people started moving out to Marin 
you know, like the dead had a house in Lagunitas, and, uh, Hippie Influx? Janet, Janice Joplin had a house, and, yeah, they still do, I think they, well, Jerry died, that was a bummer. Yeah. Out here? Here in Fort Knox? Yeah, I did. And there was just ranchers out here when you guys moved out? Was that mostly? No, it's mostly the same. Okay. Pretty much. Gotcha. You know, the golf course is now no longer. Big fight over that. I think it's still going. Yeah, yeah. You know, meanwhile, it's getting all scruffy and everything. I like it. I was you I like to hang it? out yeah. the other night. I had a little, me and my friends had a little evening hang on yeah, on the yeah, golf course. And it was tempting. just so delightful. To, we could play some music and, and you know, have I'll a couple be darned. beers. Yeah, it was just yeah. Nice out there. I like the idea of... of uh, putting a disc golf course out on part of it disc and there's this great uh moment that i heard about at the the, the uh, you know the town hall council meeting when breeze kinsey got up and was like gave this big passionate speech about making it into a disc golf course and at the end he said well so what we really need to do is it, it does need a golf course a disc golf course <laughs> But yeah, I was really surprised, you know, when when Jasper wrote, you know, such an amazingly positive and upbeat article that was full of so much joyful optimism about what we could turn this this public land into and the the negative backlash that I witnessed. I was so surprised because I was, mm. you know, it was a mark of the the toxicity of of you know, just where the internet has gone and Facebook. Yeah, I still don't know what's winning with the golf course. I think it's still in this kind of, it seems like they're kind of in like a, this is totally an uneducated perspective, but my understanding is that it's uh, a bit of a stalemate. I think they're trying to figure, things are moving slow. Yeah. I like, you know, that, that it is getting you know, going back to wild. And you like that, huh? Yeah, yeah, I came out a couple of weeks ago to, when the fire was happening, and oh, right when all the camp, the and I saw the, the firefighters fire had their little like tent city out yes. there. Yes. Um, yes, and all the signs. Yeah. Thank you, firefighters. Right. Thank you. Thank, it's thank beautiful. you. Beautiful. Um, but I love the idea of it being this bit public use land. It's the best, some of the best real estate in the valley, and having just opening it up for a free space to people. You know, for a garden or for well, there community is a garden, theater, yeah. or you know, like I like yeah, the little, idea. little amphitheater. Yeah, I like I. You know, in the East Bay, me and Tony and our little representation offshoot of the vibe of the of the Red House community. We were like, you know, give it to Ace to be the groundkeeper. <laughs> you know, let, let Ace, you know, he get my vote for for the warden of the you know, of the um, of the public space, but. Um, yeah, well, I think maybe at this point, you know, and let me know how you're feeling energy-wise, but I would love to just go a little bit into, you know, this is where maybe I can, you can, I can, I can talk about my experience as well, but just the, what, what it was like for me when I came on the scene in the Red House and for our family, because, you know, for, for those of you out there that don't know, you know, my, me and my brother, we were born out, grew up out here, and were born out in the valley, and my mom and my dad got divorced when I was eight, and 
you know, that was a tough relationship and there was a lot of fighting in our house when we were young, but, um, the red house, you know, when, during those early years after the, their separation in our little trio, me and my brother and my mom, it was this kind of Renaissance period. And my mom was really looking for a deeper sense of community and connection with, with, with people. And this, this, property, this place, the people out here was such the... <coughs> Did I have the free store? You had the free store. <coughs> and it was just such a... It was the central like cornerstone for our little family to feel like we were a part of the community. Was the free store in the basement? It was across the street in the... In the now, I, now I call it a free family boutique by appointment only. I like it. <laughs> you used to take us into the free store and we could pick yeah. Pick one thing, and I just remember <clears throat> being little and coming to this magical property, and at that age, feeling like I was in a almost like an old castle, and there were so many secrets. Oh, I right! Like every little the captain's corner room. had a, the captain's room, and there was so much, uh, you know, lore and legend about every space. Star Mountain was this kind of mystery zone up at the top and there was this structure and this treehouse thing that was kind of breaking down but at one point something was there and it just felt like I couldn't every corner had its own mysticism about it and for a young mind like mine it was just so exciting to get to I have the cutest picture of you and Tony and Spencer I will have a copy made for you yeah is that the one where we're sitting on the gravel in Fairfax maybe no Okay. I would love to see it. Yeah, and just the... I think for us, like, there was already so many traditions in this house. You know, every... Easter was such a big deal here, where we would do this amazing Easter egg hunt, and Jasper would write this long riddle that always talked about where the golden egg was. And at different times over the years, you know, me or Tony or Spencer, we all... <clears throat> brought home the gold, but there was always the golden egg, the silver egg, and then either the marble egg or the wooden egg. And you would always have a special Easter egg basket for every kid. No kid was going home without a ba- basket full of chocolate. Right. And, you know, we were competitive little guys. Everyone wanted to find the golden egg. And, <laughs> but there was always a basket for everyone, you know, and it was at the end of the day, we would always be giggling and full of chocolate. And, uh, and That's so, so cute. Yeah, it was just those moments were so you know so important to our development and our understanding of what really like community and tradition was about in our own way. And you know, I think about you know one of the things that makes me chuckle when I think about you know hippieism and you know my own particular you know knowledge of what it means to be a hippie. You know, a lot of it comes from this hippie grandmother of mine, adopted grandmother, who would, like, always take care of us at these events. But, you know, you would also... I remember you would take us out to get sausage McMuffins. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then you would make them here, too. You would make biscuits and make the patties. And that, to me, was... You know, it was... You know, the, the organic food movement came out of it. But, like, even deeper to me is that, like sense of that that things are just okay the way they are and that acceptance of you know 
of things. That <coughs> was a was a that was an important. You know, this place was so important to the early imagination for me and my brother. That's so sweet. This has been a very sweet interview. Yeah. I mean, it's... Very nice. I got really excited when... (coughs) When, uh... I think it was my mom. My mom had the idea to interview you. And I was like, yes! I want to have Marsha on my show, for sure. You know, she wanted me to say something to you, too, during this, which was... She told me the story about... Uh... You know, when she decided, you know, her and my dad were having this argument and he was like, you need therapy. And she was like, well, you got to come with me, you know, and they decided to go to therapy. And she said that the first time, which is always the hardest time to go, (coughs) she wanted to go to this to go do this therapy, but she didn't know what, you know, what was what to do with me and my brother. And she said that you volunteered to watch us for that first session and that that was like, you know, that was such a big part of her getting her agency back and feeling wow. like she was empowered to, to uh, you know, to go her own way. But it, she, she said it was this pivoted Marsha, pivotal Marsha moment of, <laughs> of you, sweet. you know, taking care of me and my brother and giving her this little, you know, as, as a wise elder, you know, giving my mother the... You know, this kind of positive boost to go embark on that. Right. Um, Thank you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, like, that was, you know, this that was a really lovely period. But don't forget, yeah. these are the good old days. It just costs more. Exactly. You know, Jasper wrote that in my, my senior year. Did he really? In my, in my, uh, my yearbook. Oh, for heaven's sake. He wrote sake. this whole thing, and it, the, the last line he said was, never forget, mm-hmm. these are the good old days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that that uh, you know that period of, of, like I was saying when I first got here, of just getting to be in this scene where, you know, Jasper and Ace were in their mid-twenties. Um, I remember vividly Ace's 25th birthday. Uh. It's kind of weird that I'm now much older than even that because he seemed so old to me when I had that birthday party but just getting to come here and there was this all these young guys that my mom immediately you know she was by this time I think she was uh, 35 and she was getting to experience kind of this second 20s you know Mm -hmm. she felt like her 20s were kind of consumed by my dad and the Buddy Owen show and so like getting to come to the Red House and hang out in the scene where there's all these you know young you know younger hippie dudes having <coughs> cool <coughs> cool potlucks you know and hang out Harvest Classic ping pong party. oh that's right and uh <laughs> You know, and and the the scene at its core was always multi generational. There was always elders welcomed in. It's true. And there were always children running around, you know. And that 
it was always open to to this variety of ages and and that's something that like me and my brother I think really have uh, tried to implement into our own when we have our backyard boogies at our house you know we like to have people of all ages running around <coughs> the kids you know the you it's so nice to have children around isn't it yeah you need to find a perfect wife and get busy <laughs> i have a bunch of them to have my own brood yeah i yes I, when i do think about you know the um ambitions of of the future of of you know one of the big, you know, dream facets I have would be to have like a grand house in the way that the red house is a grand house. Oh, where that's it's, nice. You know, where it's this open space where yeah. we get to do these things like Oh yeah. You know. You'll be a good father. <laughs> you will oh my gosh. Well you're you're you just need to find a good wife. A good wife. <laughs> well, what are you gonna do about nice. that? Oh, I'm looking, you know, I'm uh, yeah. I think before a good wife I need to find a good a good partner. Oh, no and kidding. before I yeah, find a good yeah. partner, I need to find a good connection. Yeah. It's a weird... Have you ever been in love? I've been in love. Yeah. yeah. So you know what you don't have. I do. That's how Ace explained it, you know, before he met Ari. Mm -hmm. It's once you've been in love, then you know what you when you you know it when you don't have it. Right. You know. Once, but before you fall in love, you don't. Yeah, you don't know what you're missing. Right? But I was in love in kindergarten. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, me, I, I think I've always kind of been this romantic, but I, uh, yeah, you know, it's, I got to say, it's, there's so much uncertainty in the world right now. It makes me... Who cares? <laughs> Just live, you know, the reality of, of the miracle we live in, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and there's nothing better than kids in your life, and you guys are getting almost to the age... Where it's time. 35 is good. Yeah. Age for a father. It's a good age. For, you know, maybe marry a 20-year-old. <laughs> what? The sound of that. Yeah. Right. 25-year-old, mm -hmm. you know, somebody that's able to bear children. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I, you keep know, your eye out. Keep your heart open. I've, I've had so many amazing, uh, you know, women in my life. You guys set a high bar. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the standard good. That's is high. So. Yeah. Well, an important thing is, can she make you laugh? Mm -hmm. That that lasts a long time. That's true. That's a big one. Yeah, that's For kind sure. of important. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Humor is such a gift to be able to give to. It's one like another. the highest. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. The the giggle fests of. That's what I'm so grateful for having my brother in my life and getting right. to hang out you with guys him so much. Each other. I mean, Nobody yeah. can make, you know, we have our own brand of humor, so there's certain things that I get to oh, experience yeah. with my brother where You're I You're like that, twins, kind of. Yeah. Just like Ron and Jay. Right. And then my brother Gary and I, we were in the playpen together for like years. We were only 14 months apart, you know. Right. And we always can gauge our evolution Mm -hmm. when we get together because we don't get together that much right well I should tell you uh, we have this you know this idea that we're you know um, fertilizing right now which is to create you know this 
as Tony builds out his little music studio in his room and we're playing music together we want to make this little funky project and uh, we've agreed that we're going to call it a, you know, in your, as an homage to you in your honor in the igloo we're going to call it the Hobie Brothers Oh, that's, that's what you great. used to always yeah. call us back in the yeah. day. Yeah, right. Um, but the, but the, the, the joke or the, the, the thing that's <laughs> funny about it is that, you know, I, I feel like in our li- lives, I've always kind of been a little more the outgoing, gregarious one, whereas Tony's always been a little more independent and reserved. So part of the project is that it's called the Hobie Brothers, but it's actually... Tony's the one who's singing and playing guitar, oh, yeah. and I'm just kind of hanging back and playing <laughs> bass, and I kind of have this like character that I put on where I'm a little sh- shyer, oh, yeah. a little more like withdrawn. Yeah, and he's getting to play around with being the like you know the front man. And the, yeah, that's the cute. Of it. Yeah. That is, I like it. Uh, so, um, yeah. It, it, is there any uh, parting wisdom that you can leave us with? grandmother at the, at the end of this conversation the, uh... well I'll just give you the standard okay. okay every moment is a miracle that we live inside of everything is so beautiful you know that it, we and we live inside of it so I, I'm 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 so grateful for my life you know I mean such Blessings, people like you come and you know it's so great to see you all grown up, and, <laughs> you know, professionally involved, and everything, you yeah. know. So, um, thank you, right, thank you. I, I feel like you hearing your story and from what I know of you as a person, you're someone that uh, I've always it's, it's, it's always to me seemed like you're always on an adventure whatever you're doing. Yeah, that's that's right. It kind of it unfolds. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Hello. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to unfold according to could be his plan. To the way it goes. You know? Well, thank you so much, Marcia, hey, for, for coming you. on. And that's... I love you. And I thank you. It's been so nice to sit and uh, get this chat with you. So much fun. And so I... many memories. Yeah. Until until the next time. Until the next time, yes. Boom Shankar Boom Shankar Alright, wow. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool old bird. I love my hippie grandmother so much and I'm so stoked that she wanted to come on and do this. Thank you so much, Marsha. And uh it's it's a treat to get some of these old stories down. And uh, just kind of get to get in the mind for a little while of someone who got to live through that period of time. I feel like I feel like a lot of the people that I come across in my life who have gotten the chance to live through the summer of love, um, there seems to be this feeling that uh, wherever they've gotten to in their life, whatever sorts of struggles they've had or trials and tribulations or what they feel about the world there's there's this like eternal like joy that's just below the surface in these people and they feel you can almost just feel in the way that they talk about life that it was all worth it you know having gotten to experience that explosion of consciousness it's like this humbling 
thing that puts people at ease. And I think that's totally tied into what my generation is hungering for and and maybe a little whist, whist, whimsical about or wistful for. So um, thank you. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Marsha, for coming on. And uh, I, I wish you all the best uh, through this next crazy time we're getting through everyone um yeah i have another episode already recorded that i'm editing and so i promise y'all you're not gonna have to wait more uh, than a week for that one i'll i'll get it out next week with a good buddy of mine t luke amazing musician and just all around incredible personality and there's a little music in that one as well so stay tuned, uh, check your feeds, and uh, good luck, everyone. You know, just uh, try to find someone in your circle that you can give a, give a big hug to because I know right now uh, a lot of people are, are feeling anxiety about this election and the state of things, and we really got to just remember that, uh, that we do have our, our little sub-tribes and circles and homies and there is love to be shared and uh, sometimes, you know, helping someone else uh, is really the thing that helps you the most. That's an old hippie maxim some, in some words, maybe not those exact ones, but uh, sending you all my love. Uh, stay, Hang in there. We're, we're all going to get through this and I really believe that, uh, you know, what was it the, the grandmother said? There's there's just so much to be grateful for. And I know that I'm grateful for this conversation and the ones to come. And all y'all, be well, my friends. Oh, yeah. Postscript. Uh, we're switching. I'm switching up the outro music today because like a month ago, my homie, longtime friend of the show, Jesse Lemmy Adams, uh, he put out a an open challenge uh if anybody needed extra incentive to vote he said that he would write you your own song uh to convince you to vote so i responded back i was like bro convince me so he made me some like hella sick funky jam and uh seeing as he is the author of the original outro music for this podcast it only seemed fitting that for this special election version uh, I would put his song on the end so y'all can enjoy it too. I really liked it. So here you go. Much love. <laughs>